Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fightful Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Carlos Toro, and before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of things, a couple of things I wanted to mention, a couple of plugs right before the show. First of all, a big, big thing for uh, in my professional life, I have started a brand-new YouTube channel where you can see a lot of my past interviews that I've done for Fightful and through other media sources throughout the past. I've done a lot of interviews throughout my years at Fightful. I've interviewed so many world champions, and I kind of want to put together a an archive of all the stuff that I've done in the past. So if you go on to Carlos Toro Media, uh, that I guess that's you could call it the the preliminary YouTube channel uh, so far, and until I can think of something better. But for now, it's Carlos Toro Media. Right now, you can get more than two hours worth of content. You can do, check out my past interviews I've done with Sean Porter, Jason and Andrew Maloney, uh, their manager Tony Tolge, Clarissa Shields, Brandon Figueroa. I even posted a, a special interview I did with Andres Campos, who you may have heard an English version of the of the show, uh, an English version of the interview, I should say, a couple of weeks back on the Fightful Boxing Podcast. This time, it's a little bit different. We're, we did it in Spanish, but don't worry for those of you who don't speak Spanish or don't understand Spanish or will rather hear it in English. There is English subtitles on that video, so you guys can check it out. You don't need to know Spanish to be able to follow that interview. Great stuff out there. Uh, I hope to be putting out a lot of new like boxing content there, whether it be you know watch-alongs, whether it be you know maybe supplementary podcasts, where it could be previews, whatever. Uh, a lot of stuff could be coming into that podcast. But for now, where I'm putting a lot of my old, maybe even newer interviews up there, more than two hours of work of content already on that channel by the time you're listening to this podcast. So head on over to Carlos Toro Media. Uh, that's the so far the YouTube channel that I am operating on for my media work and stuff. 
And the other thing is, obviously, go to Fightful.com for all the latest news in pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. Obviously, this week we have got, kind of been rolling together a, a series of features, a lot of some interview articles I've done with some of my guests that I've done in, within the past month or so. Uh, Wednesday, there was one on, on the Maloney Brothers, which was nearly 2,000 words long. I hope you hope you guys read it and enjoy it. Let me know what you think about it. A lot of really neat and interesting tidbits, including one where uh, I, Andrew was just telling me that he was able to witness his, his kids' first words, and he wouldn't have been able to do so had his fights not gotten canceled as a result of the coronavirus. So... You know what, I, that's that's such a really, really cute little tidbit in the story. You can find a lot more of those in that article. Thursday was one on Andres Campos. Kind of basically an introduction to this young, unbeing Chilean flyaway prospect. And I think he's very talented. I think he is someone who could potentially be someone to watch out for in the flyaway division in a couple of years. He's still young. He's only 23 years old. So he can definitely, he definitely has room to grow. He's got a great team surrounding him. Uh, surrounding him with Tony Tolja as his manager, uh, traveling to Australia to spar with the Maloney twins, which that that is that is incredible experience. And and, and right now on Fightful.com, I believe by now you could read an article uh, from my next guest that you'll hear later on in the show, undefeated junior middleweight contender. Charles Conwell, we've had him on the show in the past. We're going to have him on at towards the end of the show again. Kind of, you know, just talking about what he's been up to, how he's been uh, handling COVID-19, the quarantine, uh, what he, his potential fight plans. He actually has kind of an idea of what to expect as far as when his next fight is going to take place. Not a concrete date, but he does have something. So you'll be able to hear that. And you also get to hear which champion Right now at 154 pounds, he feels comfortable facing right now. Not not in a year, not six months, not two years, right now. So I uh, hope you guys look forward to that interview towards the end of the show. But right now, it's time to talk some boxing because finally, finally, we have concrete, semi-concrete news on not just the return of boxing, but return of like big promoter boxing, big boy boxing. In the United States. And this week we've had a couple of them. The one that immediately catches a lot of people's eyes. And kind of really is the only one. Well, that and the other one that I'll discuss in a sec. Is The Athletic is reporting. That Shakur Stevenson, WBO featherweight champion. Will defend his title against Rafael Rivera. June 9th on ESPN in Florida. Or at least I believe it is. No, not Florida. Las Vegas. Las Vegas. They... Uh, it's, it's right now, they have not officially confirmed it. Uh, it's not official. So right now things are kind of fluid. They're kind of, it, it's touch and go in a lot of situations, but this is about as concrete a date, a concrete piece of news as we can get in regards to when's boxing in the United States going to return as far as the big players, Golden Boy, Top rank, PBC, uh, match rooms, US division, etc., etc., etc. Top rank is right now the first one to kind of be setting something up in the United States as far as, again, the big players are concerned. They got something up on June 9th. 
they have another thing going on in early July. They, uh, Steve Kim from ESPN is reporting that they are that Top Rank is planning for Las Vegas to again be the host site of Jamel Herring's next WBO Super Featherweight Title Defense. No opponent, no opponent has been mentioned. Uh, there, it's still kind of being discussed. There, that that is a plan, but they're not exactly. They have not exactly put pen to paper. It's a very, very delicate situation. Things could change rapidly for better or for worse. And it's kind of, and it's very interesting seeing how this has, the last couple of weeks has unraveled. Because it almost seemed like, you know, not even a month ago, we thought maybe the, maybe, you know, high level boxing is not going to return for Maybe the fall, end of the year, and you know, and, and it's very, very bizarre. And I, I've been very transparent with what my personal thoughts are on should boxing return? When, when should we expect it back? I've been very transparent in the past. I've said at first I thought maybe June, July is when we could expect boxing. And then when I kind of started to know is COVID nineteen cases going up, and maybe people are starting to get a little restless, but they're not exactly you know, pushing through through immediate reopening of states and bring back sports, you know, left and right. So I thought maybe we can push it back to August. And then, and I did think that this is where UFC kind of played a role. UFC, they just held UFC 249 uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. They also held the UFC Fight Night this past week. I believe it was on Wednesday. Uh also in Florida, and again, it's a cool little plug. You can go to Fightful.com for uh, podcasts and for reviews, for coverage on UFC, UFC 249, the fallout of that. But and, and this is obviously not an MMA podcast, but I do want to touch a little bit on the UFC thing because it's very interesting how this has all transpired, how it all relates to boxing. Because UFC were obviously given the green light to operate in Florida by virtue of the Florida order that kind of allowed WWE to do take shows inside the States, and by extension, AEW, with no fans. So UFC kind of did the same thing. No fans allowed, essential personnel only, fighters. Uh, most people were wearing masks. Most were wearing gloves. A lot of people were getting tested. And the interesting thing about all this is how top rank, how boxing in general is going to handle this because it's, and I'll be perfectly honest, I think it may be a little too soon. I still don't feel fully comfortable with having boxing back in what is essentially now four weeks, three and a half, less, almost four weeks, a little less than four weeks, give, give or take. So, Here's kind of the whole thing, the situation with this. So, prior to USC 249, we had a fighter, uh, Jacare Sousa. He had, he tested positive. So did two of his cornermen, and they didn't. And UFC didn't do anything in regards to it. They just canceled the fight. They put Jacare Sousa in in quarantine, and after that, they continued as of the sh- as of the show had to go on, and. It's now gotten to the point where I'm looking at this, and and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Look, 
I understand there is a need for sports. I understand there is a need for anything that kind of brings a sense of normalcy back into our daily lives. Sports is among those things that a lot of people go to to kind of escape from the stress, from the troubles that the world presents on a daily basis. But there has to come to a point where you got to look at this and think to yourself, I don't know if I feel comfortable putting these guys, putting these fighters, you know, in a in a square, in a ring, in an octagon, whatever, and just have them fight and expect things to expect things to kind of operate as if everything was all right. Obviously, no fans. That's the biggest thing. But it's I, I don't feel I don't feel that good. You know, watching when I watch USC two forty nine, just so I can see how how they're how they are doing all of this, how how other sports could could use USC as a template, how boxing could use UFC's uh, UFC's method as a potential template for when they return. And I'm thinking, and it's so weird, the mentality regarding COVID nineteen. Depending uh, in regards to different sports, because if you all remember, this I don't want to say this whole mess started with the Rudy Gobert situation in the NBA, but when Rudy Gobert tested positive, that's when the rest of the U.S. and really a lot of places around the world they kind of start to figure out uh, to realize this is serious, because if someone like Rudy Gobert. Could get a public figure like him. He tested. Po- he tested positive. Not just that. He tested positive for COVID nineteen. After he decided to be an idiot and decide to be 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 a smartass and just go like lick everything, and touch everything, just to prove a point that he's not afraid of COVID nineteen. And then it turns out he tested positive for COVID nineteen. But the way they, the NBA and the rest of the sports world have reacted. Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. The NBA puts in their entire season on hold. Jacare Sosa tests positive for COVID-19. And the UFC not only are act are moving forward with everything that they got going on, it almost seems like they were happy. Not, not happy that Jacare Sosa tested positive. I'm not insinuating that at all. But they were happy in the sense that if you look at Dana White and the way he's kind of been acting and the way he talks and the way he carries himself after the after he tested positive, after Jacare tested positive for COVID-19, it almost seems like he was celebrating the fact that look at what we're doing. Look at our testing system. The way we're operating things, it works. And the fact that he tested po- uh, that Jockery tested positive, it means that what we're doing is right. It's bizarre. It's almost uncomfortable seeing that because the way he, the way Dana White is thinking in regards to how he's been handling it, and this is what I'm afraid of for boxing. If you if you look at it, it almost seems like Dana White believes that his system, that his methods, is almost foolproof. That he can control 
everything within his organization, running events while also making sure that he doesn't that everyone doesn't get infected by, by by the coronavirus. It's almost like he believes, and that's the impression I'm getting. It almost like he believes he can contain the coronavirus as much as possible outside the UFC. And that's not how it works. That's not how it works. You look at it someone like... You look at a sport like UFC. You got fighters at close quarters fighting inside an octagon. Blood coming out. You, go, you look at all the, all the different injuries, all the, all, the, all the flesh wounds, all the blood that, that is you know, poured out on a regular UFC show. You kind of wonder, how how do you make sure no one gets COVID-19? Like, what if a fighter is asymptomatic? And they fight, and fight someone else, and they, they get, and, and he unknowingly infects someone else with, with the coronavirus. Because I remember, just because you test negative for a coronavirus, it doesn't guarantee that either you can't get it or you don't have it, or that you can't get it. In between that test and the next test, or or when you fight, there's no guarantee of that. So you look. So, in I don't know how many of you are aware of the you know of the concept of exponential growth, but all it takes is one person, one person to infect two per- people, two people then infect four, they then infect sixteen, they then infect what sixty four, they then infect hundreds and hundreds of people, and. That's how it starts. And you can't assume you got everything handled just because you have a lot of tests ready to uh, to give to all these fighters, to all these people from the commission, to all these essential workers. There's no... You, you can't contain it. If something happens where you got a main eventer who tests positive for COVID-19 or you have like this mass number of positive cases... Like the week of a fight, you're risking not just your sport being be, being put on hold for far longer. You're risking dozens, if not hundreds, of people to the coronavirus. You're also risking states and the country shutting down for even longer. And then that's when more problems arise. And of course, that's obviously. Maybe some people think I'm thinking absolute worst case doomsday scenarios, so to speak. But the you can't you can't rule out anything regarding this. And so when I look at boxing, and and I'm thinking to myself, they have to find a way to not only do these shows multiple times a week. But also kind of make sure that if something doesn't happen, you know, if, if something doesn't happen, great. But if something does happen, and again, you got a main inventor or you have a, a number of fighters testing positive, you're in a lot of trouble. The, the, the sport becomes that much harder to return and I don't know if I'm ready for that, for, for, 
for the sport to kind of you know dangle uh, dangle some new fights some fresh content only for you know lack of lack of readiness foolishness ignorance whatever you want to call it to just kind of yank it away and just and just mess everything up for for longer so in a sense i am happy that we we're getting dates we are getting locations roughly we are getting who might be on those shows. As I mentioned, Shakur Stevenson, June 9th, and and Jamel Herring in early July. Uh, and it's and, and it's interesting seeing how everything's kind of going. And the other thing that I've that I'm wondering is seeing how the demand what what is the demand for boxing right now in the US? It's it, it seems almost like an easy question to answer. Where saying, look. Look, we are not, we want sports back. We want, you know, we just want things to go back to normal. And so the obvious question, see, the obvious answer to that is, yeah, you know, ESPN and boxing, they might get a really nice ratings bump just because it's the first show back. And on paper, that sounds nice. But let me, but if you look at the evidence, if you look at what has been, Put out there right now, as far as live entertainment, live sports, it's not necessarily the case. Like, if you honestly think there is going to be this unbelievable demand for boxing, that these fighters are gonna be exposed to a ginormous audience, I don't. I hate to break it to you, but that's probably not gonna be the case. I mean, if you look at the UFC 249, obviously. The reported pay-per-view numbers, uh, supposedly 700,000, which is a great number, by the way, especially in these times, 700,000, were really good. But I'm more looking towards the television product. And the prelims did, uh, I believe, was one, roughly 1.115 million viewers on ESPN. Compare that to the last prelims that aired on ESPN, which did almost 1.2 million. So that's a similar and barely lower number than the UFC 248 prelims. And then you look at WWE and you look at AEW. Like, you know, you look at those viewership and ratings. They're not that great either. You know, WWE Raw. They are in they're in the middle of like their worst three-week stretch in terms of viewership in, in history. SmackDown is almost on a weekly basis going down, down, down. You know, AEW. They this week they just had their worst viewership number of 2020. NXT hasn't been getting any better either. So I caution to those who are overly optimistic that with more people at home, that it means there's going to be this mass new audience. There's this massive audience who may not be totally familiar to boxing who are ready to watch the sport who are ready to go and, and watch is anybody and then they look at Shakur Stevenson oh by the way I think he's very impressive I think he's phenomenal I, I I think he is one of the best featherweights in the world he does make a very good case to being a top three top maybe the best featherweight in the world right now but let's not pretend that this is going to suddenly do like 1.5 million viewers it's not it, I caution that, you know, maybe this might not even do that much better than your regular ESPN 
uh, top-ranked uh, show. So I won. So I, I'm curious to see how it does. I'm not going to give it a number note right now because, again, I don't know how, how hard they're going to push this. I don't know what's going to be the undercard. I, you know, it had, the matchup between Stevenson and Rafael Rivera, that hasn't even been confirmed. So we can't just assume, well, we can't really predict the number because we do live in unpredictable times. And my one main concern is if boxing does return in June, they have to be very, very careful. I wouldn't, okay, if you want to do these shows, fine. I've accepted that we are now living in a reality where the U.S. is getting desperate. They're getting very impatient. And they are opening up slowly, little by little, in these next few weeks. At a time where maybe you should still be practicing social distancing and staying at home as much as possible. Of course, I can understand. I, and listen, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a health expert, not a politician, I'm not you know an economics expert in regards to how the coronavirus has been affecting the the economy as a whole. I'm only one guy giving when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply my own opinion based on what I've read, based on what I've seen, based on the effects it, ha it has on people and the U.S. in general and on states. I don't, I don't feel fully comfortable with states opening up slowly by slowly. I can understand why some people might be a little more desperate for economic reasons or for, or for businesses who are on the verge of bankruptcy. I can understand that, but I, I, I don't feel fully confident that this will be foolproof, and I'm talking about boxing returning. I don't feel all that great. I hope I'm wrong, but as it stands right now, I really, really don't think that we're going to... I really don't know if we're going to have a... Uh, if boxing will be back fully within just a few months. I don't think fans... And by the way, I don't even think they're going to allow fans into these boxing shows in the U.S. for... God, I don't even know. Maybe... I, 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 I predict we'll have an entire summer without fans in the arena. I could be wrong, but I predict we'll have an entire summer, this entire summer, no boxing shows in the U.S. Uh, that are going to be open to the public. Maybe in the fall we can sort of start experimenting with uh, limited capacity, kind of the same way the Nicaragua show from a few weeks back did, which, you know, I, I think it's not a bad idea, but, but let's remember Nicaragua is a country that that has like almost a micro fraction of COVID-19 cases compared to the U.S. So it's, it's not an apples to oranges type of comparison, but it, but to use that model from, for, but to use the Nicaragua model is has to come with a bit of a caveat or, you know, with the understanding that Nicaragua isn't being hit hard by COVID-19, or at least based on the official numbers that we're seeing. U.S. is. 
the U.S. is the you know has the most cases in the world right now, at least again based on the reported numbers. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next few months. There's a part of me that's excited to see boxing return, especially seeing guys like Jamel Harry and Shakur Stevenson back. I love those two guys. I think those two guys are phenomenal. I think they are they're great. They're very talented. I I love watching both of them fight. I don't know how on a personal level how comfortable I am with boxing being back, but wrestling's been but wrestling's still operating. UFC just returned, so it's a situation where you know we all just we all just have to accept this is the way things are right now, and you know it's a matter of hoping that it doesn't backfire because if it does. Then we're gonna. Then it's gonna be a a very 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 long time before before we really get get things back to normal if they ever do. So, kind of before closing the show, I do want to send it to my interview with Charles Conwell. As I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, you know he's been on the podcast months ago, and this was obviously before the Patrick Day tragedy that happened he fought patrick day on, on the zone and he beat patrick day and, and unfortunately patrick day uh, died as a result of injuries sustained in the ring obviously not charles conwell's fault it it's unfortunate but you know it, it is the you know it's the nature of the sport these things happen for as much as we don't like to think about it sometimes tragedies like these are unavoidable and it's so long as we keep boxing as it is. But regardless of that, Charles Conwell, I, I, I've said in the past, I like Charles. I think he's an extremely talented rising prospect. I think you can make a small case. I think you can make a case, not even a small, just a regular case, that he is the he's contender right now. He's ranked by the IBF in the top 15. He is someone who is right now uh, on the verge of getting bigger and bigger fights. And I asked him about who he liked to face. He even told me one champion in particular. He feels confident that he can fight, maybe even beat, right now. Which is a very, very bold uh, uh, thing to say right now. But he's talented. He's, he's a strong puncher. He's entertaining in the ring. He's unbeaten. He's a guy that is quickly ascending through the ranks. And I, and I would say, and I'll admit it, at a faster pace than I thought you know a year ago so without further ado here's my interview with Charles Conwell hope you guys enjoy it I'm joined on the line right now by the undefeated junior middleweight contender Charles Conwell back on the show Charles it's been a while man how are you doing I'm doing good glad to be on the show how are you Doing pretty well, not too bad my, my, myself, can't really complain, uh, except for the snow that we are currently dealing with. The, the day that we are recording this, for those who are watching and listening, uh, it is May, it is snowing, it's very weird. I, I'm sure you, you've lived in Cleveland a lot longer than I have. You lived, in, or I should say, in the state, You and I'm not used to this. I, even spending four years, four or five years in New Jersey, I'm not used to snow in in the middle of May, so I'm, I don't know if this is a common occurrence here in this state, but uh, it, it's certainly a little weird. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it, it, it snows late in Cleveland. That's, that's, like the, that's like the hardest part about living in Cleveland is the winters. 
So, obviously, before we kind of get to the nitty-gritty when it comes to the fights and everything, uh, how have you been handling the ongoing uh, situation with COVID-19? How are you and your loved, uh, loved ones been? Uh, I hope uh, hope you guys are, are staying safe right now. Uh, man, we're just staying safe, make sure we do all the, all the hygiene things, washing our hands, keeping hands on tires, using our masks, and they're not done. Just trying to stay safe and use, you know, use all the cleanliness and things like that. You know, obviously, you know, you lived in Ohio a lot longer than I have, but it in the last couple of weeks, that's kind of the state that's slowly starting to kind of go back, reopen, it almost seems like things are kind of getting back to normal. Uh, again, I, I'm saying that as someone who has spent, who has right now lived in Ohio for less than a year, and you have lived in the state far longer than I have, but it does it seem like things are kind of going back to normal? There's maybe a sense of normalcy that, uh, you know, prior to this whole situation with the coronavirus? It'll never be all the way back into normal, normal to like next year. But I, I do see like that the states are starting to open up, starting to open up more things soon. So I'm just appreciative of that. If they open up everything, it can give me more of a chance to like uh, train with uh, with everybody else and just get back in the gym and just do my thing like I've been doing. You know, obviously with the quarantines and you know businesses shutting down and gyms closed, and I'd imagine it has been rough and difficult for you to stay in shape and find ways to creative ways to say the least to remain in fighting shape to be ready for when you get the green light to fight again uh, what have you been able to do uh, that's been maybe a little bit different from what your normal when, when your normal routine is when it comes to preparing for a fight uh at first it was um Toledo, where I, where I train at, uh, they have a private gym. But when I was at home for a while, it, it really worked because if you said no gyms on open, all you have to do is like at home things like running outside, maybe jump up and shadow boxing. But I couldn't really do really much else like hitting the bag or anything like that. But I could just do like cardio type things mainly. You know, I, I saw on Twitter that uh, that you might be. That you're kind of entering training camp, so to speak. That you know, does this mean that we have a bit of a rough idea of when we might expect you back in the ring? Maybe not necessarily a, a solid date, the concrete date, but maybe an idea in say X amount of weeks or so and so month. Yeah, uh, later this summer for sure. So I'm just waiting for the exact date and location, everything. But I know it's still cheap later, late this summer. I'm just gonna keep that one. Still gonna wait for the exact for the exact date that I can show. Sure, right at the summer, and it's still gonna be on Showtime too. So that's good. Okay, so it's still planned to be the, you know the original idea, which is you you were originally supposed to fight in the main event of a Showbox card in April. So I so that is still from what I'm get, getting from you, that's still the plan, right? Yes. You know, promoters and sanctioning bodies, and, and I'm glad you're here because I want to get your opinion on this. They have been kind of brainstorming different ways to make sure, you know, the sport returns as soon as possible. Uh, Nicaragua just had a a show a few weeks back with, you know, with social distancing being 
uh, or social distancing practices being done uh, when it comes to the crowds. They're staying like six feet apart, but so it was a limited attendance crowd. Some suggested uh, empty arena shows. Some even the sanctioning body suggested maybe potentially doing judging from remote locations, like not necessarily have them be at ringside, but more so have them do uh, be at a secluded area where they could watch the fight on, on a monitor and judge the fight right there. I kind of want to get your thoughts in regards to these ideas, these suggestions, uh, as far as boxing and trying to return as soon as possible. Are you are you in favor of, you know, waiting it out? Or do you prefer just getting things uh, on as quickly as possible or even doing like these empty arena shows? Uh, I think it's a fun thing not so I think about boxing, though, like you said. Definitely precautions that got to be taken. And I think that uh, fighting without a crowd is like one of the best things to do. But if less, if less amount of people there, less amount of random people who, who probably haven't got tested or who probably, we don't know who has the symptoms or whatnot. So I think the one without the, without the crowd is like the best solution. The one with the judges at home, I, I, I really don't agree with that. I, I, specifically, I, I like when the judges be after after fight ring so I can see everything in person they might miss something I I really, I really don't like the TV rating the, the one that went up I prefer that so this part of the uh, the fights with where the uh, no audience and just live on national TV is the best option for me you know obviously last time we had you here was uh, last fall, it was right before the fight against Patrick Day. And obviously, uh, no need to, you know, just talk about what happened that night. It's been covered a lot already. Uh, you know, obviously, it no one blames you for it. And, and things have been, and it's a very, very scary situation that happened with Patrick Day. Uh, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers to, to his family, to his loved ones and everything. But uh, you've been, you were out of action for several months and you returned back in February. When you were making that walk to the ring earlier this year in your return fight, uh, did it feel different? Did it feel like, you know, this uh, it's not how you're normally uh, feeling in terms of your mindset, uh, given what happened in your in the fight previously, or do you feel like do you have uh, you, you try to? keep things as normal and as business as usual uh, type of sense uh, when it comes to fighting. What was your mindset making that walk down to the ring? Uh, to be honest, I was just thinking like, I was going to go out there and do my thing and just perform how I usually perform. I just wanted my performance to be like how I usually perform or maybe like even better to be honest. Just going after every fight so I was going to my performance to be Keep getting better and better, and just going out with the same confidence and the same and the same mentality as I had before. That's what really my goal was for to me. You know, it, putting aside the the tragedy with Patrick Day and everything, but uh, looking on the fight itself and looking at how you performed, it was it was a great performance. You. I think a lot of people were impressed with what you were able to show to a lot of people who were watching on the zone. You show that you're able to move well in the ring. You can trade. You can make the make fights certainly uh, interesting. You got power, and you got and you you're capable of taking hits because you got hit pretty hard in in some of those rounds against Patrick Day. 
Do you feel like that performance, you feel like people are more aware of what you can do and that people are starting to realize you're starting to become a player at 154 pounds? Yeah, for sure. I definitely think a lot more people have noticed me. Not as much as I want, not as, not as much as I want to notice me, but I definitely feel like I have a couple more eyes on me. So now I just got to keep doing my thing, keep keep winning, uh, convincingly dominating the sport. I mean, dominate the guys I'm getting in there with. And like, and like you said, uh, the fans will like follow me. They'll, they'll, come, they'll come watch me after you just keep hearing about this guy. Keep hearing about the guy. You'll, you'll eventually watch him. You'll eventually like what you're saying. Once I keep doing my thing, and just, just getting better and better. You know, obviously, you know, you're not the only guy that's rising in the 154-pound division. It all seems like this division, and you can make a strong case that 154 pounds is the best division in boxing right now. Uh, obviously, you got guys who, almost every few months prior to the pandemic, it all seems like there's been guys that elevate, uh, that become a, a star every few months. I mean, we got, in the span of the last couple of years, we've had Jared Hurd... Uh, Julian Williams, Jermel Charlo, Tony Harrison, Jason Rosario, Patrick Teixeira. You know, I, I don't know if I'm missing someone, but but they're all, they've all won titles. They've you know they've been in big fights. It's it's a very interesting division. It's very very unpredictable at top. As a fighter who is going to be the top dog in that in that division, who do you think is right now the best fighter at 154 pounds? Uh, I think one of the top guys probably Charlo because he had a belt for like a while. I think Laura is still a force to be weaponed with, and I think I think there's a lot of top there's a lot of top guys. But I, I don't have to say Charlo is maybe top guy. You know, looking at the rankings right now, and you're ranked in the top fifteen in the IBF, and the current champion is Jason Rosario, who also holds the WBA title. He's the only one holding more than one you know world title from the major sanctioning bodies. Is that the type of fight that is that the guy that you feel like you can you're most comfortable fighting if you were to fight any of the champions right now is that is that a fight that interests you a lot you know discounted the fact that it's a that it's obviously for the world title but is that a fight that you're interested in having yes for sure I definitely feel like I can come on top on top uh, in that fight Uh, sooner than a lot of people think I think I'm I'm like a You know, you went. You started 2020. You got the win uh, earlier this year, and you were going to be in the main event of a Showbox card in April. So, is that so? Kind of looking at goals for this year, was the idea of maybe perhaps being on national television more often a a goal for you to get yourself, put your name out there a little more? Was it to just keep collecting experience inside the ring? You've only had it like. You you really you're not you're not a twenty fighter uh, twenty fight guy and yet you're already making waves, beating guys like Patrick Day already being ranked in the top fifteen with like a dozen fights on, under your belt. And is that what what would been your what was what was going to be your goal? Was it to maybe even get a regional title, put yourself in a position where you can fight in a title eliminator in twenty twenty one? What were they? Yes, it was definitely it was definitely the second one. I started building momentum. Started fighting those 
starting to fight those guys like like on that level, on a higher level, and starting to get more expensive, start fighting those guys to be in title contention by the end of 2020. Or, and uh, to be serious, really go for a title 2021. That might got pushed back a couple of months, but uh, we're still that's still our goal though. Maybe it might it might be like four months or six months later than we expected, but that's still the goal. You know, obviously, the you've put yourself in a position where you could be in line for big fights down the road, and obviously, getting you know, you're you're no. I don't think it's fair to call you a prospect right now, even though you don't have that many fights under your belt. But the fact of the matter is, you have proven that you can fight veterans and come out on top. So, is there anyone? on your radar at 154 pounds that you feel like you can beat and, you know, and elevate yourself to that next level, maybe uh, whether it be a current champion or a former a former title holder, a veteran, a top 15 guy. Is there anyone on your radar that you that you hope to maybe get, step into the ring someday soon? Uh, probably Jason Rosario. I think he, he, he's got the most belt. So he's like the biggest fish right now. Uh, for, like comparison to like champions, he got the most belt. He's the only champion in the division. So I fight like Jason Rosario, and then I I fight Patrick Chisera, and I fight Charlo Lott. Lastly, obviously with the quarantine, the coronavirus. Uh, things have been a, a little different in regards to everyone's schedule. So, kind of curious, what have you been able to do in, in your free time? I actually started uh, playing a game a little bit more. I started gaming a little bit. Got got into the gaming a little bit. And that's really gaming and just that's really about it. To be honest. Oh, okay, that's nice. Uh, have you been? Uh, what video games have you been able to play? Okay, nice, nice. Is there anything that you want to say to those who, uh, to to your fans, to those who may be seeing you for the first time ever? Do you have, uh, how can people reach you on, on social media? Any final message uh, that you want to say, plugs, whatever, floor is yours, Charles. Thanks, Charles, for coming on board. I really do appreciate it. I wish you nothing but the best in your career. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Charles Conwell, the unbeaten junior middleweight contender. Uh, hope to have you back on the show, man. I really do appreciate it, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck in your future, and hopefully we get to see you in the ring soon. Okay, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And that was it. That's my interview with Charles Conwell. Again, you can read uh, an article I did on him on Fightful.com right now. If you like what you saw right now, hope you go to my new channel, Carlos Toro Media, where I've done interviews with, where I posted interviews with the likes of Andrew and Jason Baloney, uh, Sean Porter that I've done last year, Clarissa Shields, Brandon Figueroa, those interviews that I've done. Uh, over the course of 2019, I'm going to be posting a lot more interviews that I've done in the past on five, uh, on that channel. Uh, hopefully some new content out there. Uh, I might be thinking about potentially maybe even doing something over the weekend. Maybe just a, a watch along or, or something. Just, just kind of, you know, one, just content out there. And, and two, uh, you know, just to sort of provide an easy way for those who want to check out 
uh, some of the stuff I do without having to sift through all these uh, either for the Fightful, multiple Fightful YouTube account, uh, accounts or having to go to the podcast individually and just having to figure out when and at what point in the podcast I, I do these interviews. All of these interviews, uh, uh, a lot of these interviews, I just say, are going to be on the Carlos Storm Media at some point in the future. I'm going to be, like, releasing them in, like, waves. So, again, wave one, uh, I would say, is Sean Porter, Clarissa Shield, Brandon Figueroa, the Maloney's, uh, Andres Campos in Spanish, but with English subtitle for those who can't speak Spanish. And, yeah, that, that about does it. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at CarlosToro360. Head on over to Fightful.com for all the latest news in pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. As I mentioned at the top of the, uh, at the start of the show, tons of interview articles and features I've done, uh, I posted throughout the week. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoy the show. As I mentioned, again, if you like what you saw, comment down below. Hit that like button. Subscribe to our Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel as well as the Fightful Pro Wrestling channel. Hit the bell icon for any and all notifications on when we are live or whenever we post videos. If possible, you know, go to iTunes and leave us a, a review. We really do appreciate it. It helps with our uh, reach. It helps with, you know, with, with getting the word out there on Fightful. But again, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Hope to see you soon. And until then, I will see you in the next one. And hope you guys stay home and stay safe. And we can all battle this coronavirus together. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.